All Scripture is inspired. All Scripture is important. But I think we would all agree that there are certain Scriptures that just speak to us. Certain Scriptures that are just uh, very much a part of our perspective of God, of our perspective of ourselves. For me, that has to do with uh, an exchange that uh, an individual had with Jesus. Jesus is asking if he believes, if he has faith, literally. And he says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I find myself in that tension quite often. I believe I, I know the things of God. I, I know I know His Word. I spent my life studying it, teaching it, working in it. I know what it says there. I, I know of His power and His majesty and His glory and just so many of the things that He's done. But when it comes time to apply that to my life, to my circumstances, into the things I'm going through, the things I'm dealing with, the things I'm struggling with. Sometimes I find my faith comes up short. It's not what it should be. And I cry out, Lord, help my unbelief. Help my lack of faith. Help me to grow in that central concept, that central element of our relationship. This morning we continue in the book of Philemon, looking at this very personal, passionate letter between Paul and Philemon. And as I was preparing, as I was thinking about what I would focus on, what, what God would have me share. I, I, I reread verse 6. And in verse 6, it simply says, I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. Paul here is as he's as he's addressing Philemon, as he's as he's getting ready to challenge Philemon and some of the, the things he's doing, some of the some of the things that don't really measure up to God's design and God's desire. He's already expressed he, this desire for grace and peace. We looked at that last week, but now he says, I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective. Another way of saying that, I pray you grow in your faith. So I want to look at, at just, this, just this verse today in terms of the book of Philemon and, and, and hopefully draw some observations, some conclusions about what Paul is saying here in terms of how we might grow in faith. How can our faith increase? How can our connection with God, our connection with the things that God's doing, 
how can those things grow? I mean, if, if I were to say, I, I, I hope that you grow in the knowledge of the Lord, that's kind of self-evidence. We, we study His Word. We learn about the things He's done. We learn about His qualities, His characteristics, those sorts of things. Knowledge seems, at least to me, easy to acquire. But faith, that active engagement with God in the trials, the struggles, the situations of life, how do we grow in that? Let's start first with the roles of faith. What are the roles of faith? When, when Paul writes here, your participation in the faith, when he uses that phrase here, the word behind participation is koinonia. Now, koinonia, it's a fairly common word in the New Testament. It's a word that simply is almost always translated fellowship. Uh, I remember in college, uh, the BSU, now the BSM, um, their, their weekly get-together was called koinonia. It was, it, was, it was a fellowship. But it actually has a, a broader meaning than that. It, it, it has, it's used in ways other than just getting together. And the question we have to face here is, how is Paul using it? What, what is it exactly Paul is, is calling for here? What is it that Paul is asking for here as it pertains to faith? And I think in identifying that, we can begin to, to understand how we might grow in faith. What, what is the role of faith first? What is, what is it? the part that it plays in our life. And, and when we look at this word koinonia, it has, it has four basic uses in the culture, four basic ways that it is, it is expressed. And I'm of the opinion that Paul intends all four of them, that Paul has in mind. And the reason I'm of that opinion is because I know uh, having having read quite a lot about Paul, Paul, Paul was very precise in the words that he used. He was very careful. In fact, there are places in his letters where he makes up a whole new word just because the word he wants to use doesn't exist. Okay, they're, 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 his his letters are full of that. He's like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna slam some words together here, and you take both those words together, and that's what I'm getting at because there's no real word in Greek that that works here. So I'm just gonna make something up. Okay. And so Paul is very careful about the words that he chooses. And, and there, with all four of these meanings, there are other Greek words to express those ideas. But he doesn't choose those other Greek words. He doesn't give us the, the clarity of choosing those other Greek words. He just uses koinonia that has all four of these meanings within it. And so I, I have to believe that's probably purposeful on his part that he's intending us to, to hear, he's intending his readers to hear all four of those meanings. And the first of those is to translate the word as communication, okay, or to make plain. He uses this elsewhere in, in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 9, where he says, um, and to shed light 
for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for the ages of God who created all things. The word shed light there in that Ephesians passage is koinonia. So it doesn't just mean fellowship. It means fellowship probably in the, in the larger sense of kind of fellowship with the idea, fellowship with the concepts, okay? That, you know, there are times when you're trying to explain something, when you're trying to communicate something, that um, you just really struggle connecting with people, right? You, you, you've been in those situations. You've had those conversations over the years. You know, you're, you're, you're trying to say something, and they, they repeat back to you what they think you said. And you're like, no, 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 that's not what I mean. And, and you just keep going back and forth. And, and then there's that moment, hopefully, at some point in that conversation, we're like, oh, I get it now. And they say it. And you're like, yes, you got it. You're, you're excited because communication has taken place. Okay. Well, that moment is described in Greek text sometimes as koinonia. It's, it's fellowshipping with the idea of the word. It's communicating the truth of the word. And so what Paul may have in mind here is, is that I, I, I pray that, that you have you have fellowship, that you're able to communicate, you're able to share the faith, which is what we would label today evangelism. That, that you're able to, to interact with people who don't have a relationship with Christ, people who don't understand the things of God. You're able to to as you live and as you work and as you grow and understand, you're able to communicate that with the people around you. A second meaning also relates to communication, but it's more the concept of, of bestowal. Okay, It's more the concept of, of giving. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9.13 gets at this, but it, it's used much more uh, commonly in and just other Greek writings and so forth. It, it sometimes koinonia is translated as almsgiving. Okay. In other words, that you're expressing, that you're communicating, that you're fellowshipping with the world around you by expressing charity, by giving to others, a material blessing. That faith leads us down this path of, of giving to others, of sharing with others, of walking with others, of helping others out of their deep, dark times. But that's a part of the, the faith that, that Paul wants Philemon to know. And, and, and indeed, this is, this is an element he's going to draw on probably most clearly later in the book where he talks about freeing Onesimus. We talked about that. that, what, that that's an act of, of giving. It's an act of sacrifice. It's Philemon losing something on behalf of someone else. And so Paul says, I, I hope you grow in that, in that koinonia, in that participation in the faith. And then the third is the most common way we use uh, koinonia, participation or in the terms of fellowship. These are bonds with your brothers and sisters. I, I hope you grow in that. And, and again, faith is such a, a, a key component. Our whether you're talking about the noun faith in terms of what we believe or faith in the verb in terms of what we do, it's a key element in our unity here because you look around this room, you have people from a variety of backgrounds. You have people who have served in the military and this being Veterans 
holiday week, so forth. I mean, thank you for your service. You have people who uh, who have worked as engineers in, in different industries. You have people who are, are white collar. You have people who are blue collar. You have people who have come from a wealthier background. People who come from uh, a less wealthy background. You have people from who are who are are, are cowboys, and you have people who, um, you know, are, are very much uh, industrious. You have students, you have retirees. How on earth does such a mix of people come together and enjoy each other's presence? How on earth does it, does a such a wide variety of backgrounds and experiences and and perspectives and outlooks and worldviews come together? It's our faith. It's our faith. It's the God that we serve. It's our belief in Him. It's our following of Him. That's what connects us. That's what helps us to 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 connect with each other and, and to to walk with each other, to journey with each other, to help each other. And so Paul is saying, I hope that you you grow in your participation in faith so that your bonds with your brothers and sisters in Christ will also grow. And then the fourth meaning is in terms of realization or maturing. Koinonia, again, in the more symbolic idea of fellowship, it's a sense of fully connecting with the faith fully fellowshipping with the faith that you have. And and I pray that you will mature in your faith, that you'll grow. And that, that's really kind of at the heart of where we're going today. But but all four of these are, are a, a key component of, of what it means to grow in your faith. How do we grow in our faith? How do we, how do we uh, experience greater faith? How do we relate to God better? By understanding its purpose in our life. And the purpose of faith in our life is is that we don't keep it to ourselves. We share it with others. Evangelism. That uh, we give to others in terms of their needs and so forth. We reach out to them. We bless them. It's the example that Jesus gave, you know, in in the parable of the the lambs and goats. What is the measuring stick he uses for for whether or not you're, you're granted access there? It's your Faith in action, sharing the truth, feeding those who are hungry, clothing those who are sick, visiting those who are in jail. Faith creates a bond. Faith is something that we can grow in. So to see the roles of faith is to just understand what Paul is saying when he says, I want you to participate in this. So with that in place, we, we move to the next part of the sentence and, and the growing in faith, that we you have more effective through knowing every good thing that is in us. And the word that's used here for effective is energeo, where we get energized. Okay, May your faith be energized. It, it means to, to be in active operation, to, to produce effects, to, to be powerfully productive. That's what we all want, I would think. I would think if you're a believer, if you're in a relationship with God, that one of the things you desire is that your faith become more powerful. I, I want to see it 
actively functioning in my life. I want to see, in some ways, the miraculous. I want to see that power. I want to see that function. But how does he say we accomplish that? More effective through knowing every good thing that is in us. In other words, Paul says the way your faith grows, the way you mature is to be able to know every good thing that is in us. So let's do just a little bit of group participation here. I don't do this often. This is not a rhetorical question. I know in the past I've asked questions, you're all like, I wasn't sure if you were being rhetorical or if you're actually asking that, Pastor. So let me just be real, real clear. This is not rhetorical. I want responses. <laughs> okay? So just, just share with, with us, share with me, some of the good things that are in us. Some of the good things that God has given us, that He has bestowed upon us, that He has shared with us. What are some of those things? Love, hope, joy, what? Health? Health? Grace. Good, keep going. Compassion. Lots of good things. Lots of things that we enjoy. But as we live our lives, how often are those the things that direct our thoughts? Too often we focus, I think, on our weaknesses or our problems, don't we? You know, well, I got this, and I got, I got to do this, and I got, I don't have the time for that, and you know, I don't have, you know, that didn't go as well as I should, I thought it should, and those are kind of the things that kind of drive our our mindset and our perspective. It's the struggles that we have. And Paul's advice seems to be here that if you want to be more effective in your faith and participate in your faith, know every good thing that's in us. And that command suggests not just being able to list some of the things we've listed. And y'all did great, by, by the way. Let me just encourage you in that. But not just by listing those things, but searching out other things, other good things that God has done. Looking for them, being intentional about their place and their role in your life. And I, I think there's some reasons why this method works, why this instruction works in terms of helping us grow in our faith. I think first it works because it grants us a connection between our faith and our personal history. That when we when we think about and, and we talk about the faith that we have, we all have history with God. We all know that instinctively, but how many of us Ever stop and consider that? God, you've been so good to me. We say that. I think most of us say that. There's even songs out there that, that say that, that we could sing. But do you ever go to the next step 
and think of the way the ways he's been good to you. Not just uttering the phrase, you've been good to me. But actually expressing the ways, what we just did here. I think it also works because it helps us to connect faith and provision. By looking at the good things that are in us, by looking at the good things that God has done for us and that we've experienced, we start to see this relationship between His provision for us and the life we live. And knowing that His provision is there and knowing that it has been there and knowing that it will continue to be there is is freeing to trust Him. It's freeing to, to, to help us to to have those moments where we say, I believe, and I believe because I know what you brought me through before. I know how you provided for me in the past. This practice is, uh, of looking for good things is, is helpful because it helps us connect faith and transformation. The grace that we have. Now, some of you are, are like me. You came to Christ at a, a fairly young age. Okay, I, I accepted Christ at the age of eight, baptized shortly after. And so my life has been characterized by that walk. Others of you came to Christ much later in life. After you've experienced a lot of things, sometimes very bad things, troubling things, difficult things. But here's the reality. Whether you were a believer at a young age or a believer at an older age, you have been transformed. God has done a magnificent work in your life. He has moved you from being dead in your sins to being alive in Christ. He has moved you from being an enemy to being a child. He has moved you from being someone who lacked direction and purpose and, and ultimate meaning to being someone who knows exactly who you serve. And even as you grow and learn and you're maturing in that, you have this target, you have this, this appreciation, you have this reality outside yourself that you're moving toward in your growth and in your understanding of yourself. To rehearse that story. To think about what we would typically call your testimony. Is to grow in faith. Because even those of us like myself who, who did it at a very young age, and you know, I wasn't rescued from a lot of things in terms of action. I mean, what do you do when you're eight? Disobey your parents once in a while? Or maybe quite often, depending upon the kid. You know, there's not a lot that you do at that age. But you know what? I can look back over, over the years of my life, junior high, high school especially, and I know, I know there are roads and paths I could have easily gone down 
experiences I could have easily encountered and, and followed and pursued and, and become very much a, a part of my life that God's grace rescued me from. That God said, we're going to go a different way, Tim. That's part of my testimony. That's part of, of growing in my faith is, is just to see, just to reflect upon those times in my life when he rescued me, when he transformed me, when he helped me take that step of growth and appreciation for who he is. This rehearsal of good things also helps us connect faith with hope. What does the future hold? We look at our circumstance in our country and in our world and we hear all sorts of things and it can get frightening. What does the future hold? I don't know. I don't know all that's going to transpire. I don't know what's going to happen, you know, in terms of, if you'd asked me two years ago, did, did I think there was going to be some sort of uh, disease or something that was going to shut us down for two years? I would say, Probably not. We haven't seen that sort of thing in over 100 years. And yet here we are. I don't know what the future holds. But I do know who my God is. And I do know what he has brought me through. And I do know what I'm enjoying right now, and what I'm experiencing right now, and who he is in my life. And so because of that, whatever the future brings, I have a hope. I have a confidence. I have a, a way forward because I've seen who he is and what he's done. And by rehearsing those things about who he is and what he's done, I can then have confidence in where this is all headed. Paul doesn't stop there. He, he then gives us the, the outcome of faith, the direction of faith. When he says that we do all these things for the glory of Christ. What does that mean to do something for the glory of Christ? It's to honor his position. It's to praise His name. It's to submit to His leadership. It's to admire His greatness. It's to value His wisdom and to proclaim His fame. When you hear somebody say, a preacher or a song or a passage, we do this for the glory of God. We do, we do this for that outcome. This is what's in mind. These are the descriptors that, that fit We bring glory to God. We bring glory to, to His name when we honor His position. That He's God and I'm not. And I'm going to live with that realization, with that knowledge. I'm going to, I'm going to function. And I'm going to praise Him. In the good and in the bad, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives, He takes away. As Job expressed and we sing so often 
and song. We submit to his leadership. When he tells us to do something in his word, we listen to it. We submit to it. We respond to it. We're obedient to his instructions. We admire his greatness. We value his wisdom. We proclaim his fame. We make him more famous. How do you do that with a God that is so all that? Through obedience. What did Jesus say? May people see your good works and praise your Father who is in heaven. Why are they praising God for what we do? Because what we do is a direct outgrowth of what He's done in us. It's an expression of just how awesome God is. And so our actions, when they point to Him, and, and people see us, quote, do extraordinary things, whether it's faith in, in a time of trial or or grace and, and peace in a time of, of hardship or, or mistreatment. When they know that that's there because of what God has done, then He becomes more famous. He is glorified in that. To glory, to do things to the glory of Christ is simply to see His work in comparison to everything else in the world. That He is everything we need. And everything else fades away. We sang earlier, Lord, I, I need You. Every hour, I need You. Why? Because He's our righteousness. He's our defense. He's our life. He is our everything. And let me just say to you, using a quote from a pastor named John Piper, if you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied, it is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world that your soul is stuffed with small things and there is no room for the great. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. For a lot of reasons. I, I love expressing thankfulness. I love that it's centered on that idea, that concept. And to be honest, I like food. And I especially like my wife's food. She is an amazing cook. But I have to be careful on Thanksgiving morning because sometimes there's, there's goodies spread out before the meal. And if I get careless, I'll eat those goodies, snack on that sort of stuff to the point to where when the meal comes, when the feast comes, 
I'm not quite up to the task anymore. Because I've nibbled on all these other things. They're good, but they're not the greatness of the feast. And that's what Piper's getting at here. Too often in our life, in our experience, we nibble on the goodies of this world. And I'm not necessarily talking about sin. I'm not necessarily talking about you know things that, that are evil or contrary to God. I'm talking about good things. But we spend so much time nibbling on these little things here and there that when it comes time to, to truly appreciate and see the wonders of God and to, to walk with God, to work with God, to, to live in God's presence, there's no room for the great. We're so full of the lessers that we miss out on the greaters. And so I would suggest that a big part of what Paul is advocating here to Philemon is yes, to, to know what faith, what role faith plays in your life. Yes, to, to, to grow in that by rehearsing the good things that God has done. But we don't do that just for ourselves and our pleasures in this world. We do that for the glory of Christ. That's the great. That's our purpose. That's our goal as believers. To know Him and to make Him known. And when we're living in that, when we're walking in that, when we're experiencing that, then our faith will truly begin to grow because not only will those around us see God more clearly, we'll see God more clearly. And the more clearly you see God, the greater your faith in Him is going to be. It's unavoidable. So I want to challenge you today. to spend time in the next week rehearsing the things, the good things that God's done for you and in you and through you. But to go a step further and to say, God, let me live in such a way that those good things that you've done become an expression of your glory and your power in my life. Let me, help me make you known and know you more should be our prayer. Let that be our guiding process this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come. God, I pray that you, you would help us each to, to walk in a way that, that honors you. Lord, help us to rehearse the great and wonderful things you've done in our life, the experiences you've given us, the joy you've brought, the, the, the people, the friends, the brothers and sisters that uh, we've come to know. And Lord, as we rehearse those things, as we think on those things, help us to grow in our knowledge of you, to see you more, to see who you are, to see what you've done, to see what you will do, and in seeing all that, to grow in our faith. To become more effective and energized in the ministries we carry out. God, I pray that you just um, go with us as we leave here this morning. 
Guide us according to your desires. It's in Christ's name I pray these things. Amen.